Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom, and it's also episode 200 of our show. At least 10 of them were good, I feel. (laughs) That's right. How many years is 200? Almost four. Almost four. How many hours has it been? About 200. (laughs) At least 200. At least 200 hours. You guys, come on. Our show's 200 so long. We're probably talking like 350, like honestly, all in. Yeah, with all of our extra episodes. And like there was that one that was like two hours long. I don't know. Hey, you probably know me because this is episode 200. But I'm Simone (laughs) Jarochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com. And my co-hosts are Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for congress woohoo and this is our 200th episode so simone i did get some uh listener feedback for episode 200 they told me that they were disappointed that you had not dropped enough sexual double entendres (laughs) into the show lately they said you know all this just straight talk about tech that's not why i listen to rocket (laughs) so my challenge to you is to up your game on episode 200. Just, I will defy just anyone who says my talk about tech has been straight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we did have that whole elongated discussion about uh, uh, Cassandra in um, Assassin's Creed. And it was elongated. <laughs> yeah. <Ay-ay-ay-ay. laughs> Holy moly. That's what we want, Simone. We want more, we, the, the fans want more of that. That's right. All right. I'll work on on. that. That, Okay. New catchphrase. Holy moly. Um, I'll say it every time I say something (laughs) innuendous. Like how amazing it has been to be on Rocket for almost four (laughs) years of my freaking life. You guys, I was in my first job out of college when we started this show. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was actually thinking about this. Like when we started Rocket. I worked at Mashable and lived in New York City, and Brie was still, you know, heads down with with, with Giant Space Cat, and, and I don't even think she'd, you were even at the point yet where you'd even started, you know, looking at running for office. Nope. Simone, you lived in Seattle and, and worked at Pixelkin. Mm-hmm. Now, four years later, I'm in Seattle working at Microsoft, Simone's in New York working at Polygon, and Brie is, is taking on the system and is... Um, you know, an inspiration to us all. We have all moved up in this world. Pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, I feel like I have to say this. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. I have, like, I really mean this to all of our listeners. We've never had one crossword to each other ever in no. four years of this show. Not one, like, I mean, it, it's, I look forward to this every single week. It's one of the best working relationships I've ever had. And this is why, you know, even if I win in 2020, I'm going to keep doing Rocket because I love doing the show so much. We work well together because every time one of us is like, can I be 15 minutes late? The other two are like, yeah, you can. Oh, it's amazing. No, I, I agree with you, Rhea. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever had a, a such a sustained working relationship where I've done the same thing every single week with the same people and I look forward to it every single time. And, and you know, Brie, you and I, we knew each other. We'd, we'd met in person. We knew each other from the internet, but we weren't like super close, you know? Right. Simone, I didn't know who you were. And this could have been a recipe for disaster. This it could sure have been could one have. of those. It could have been one of those things where, like, we didn't have chemistry, we didn't get along, and whatnot. And instead, what it's happened, and I want to thank all the listeners for this. Is 
I've met two of my friends that I will have for the rest of my life. I get to do this with you, with you two every single week, and I look forward to it. And I love that, like, it feels like this is a conversation that we have with everybody listening, um, whether it's, it's it's one of you or a hundred of you or a thousand of you or you know beyond that. Like, we get to we get to talk about the things we want to talk about, whether it's hard tech or movie pass. I mentioned movie pass mm-hmm. in my speech, in my talk at Purdue yesterday, incidentally <laughs> got big, big, big laughs from the crowd. Uh, I said, that's, that's an example of, of, uh, how, how to break users trust and, and, uh, and how you, you don't want to be movie pass. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we like what, whatever the thing is, like we've, we've kind of developed this relationship and, and conversation and it's so varied and so wild and so different than I thought that it would be when I, when, when Brie reached out to me and said, do you want to do with this podcast? And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I, I didn't realize that I'd be making two, two of my, my dearest friends and get to, uh, uh, listen to, um, Simone Reed, um, you know, um, <laughs> serious smut, uh, or Apple watch smut, uh, w- which is still like one of the greatest moments of all time. Seriously. Uh, we started off I also strong. want to give some, some props to our network here. Yes. So the story about rocket getting, uh, made behind the scenes was when relay relay was founding, you know, they had a real problem. There was nothing but shows by, you know, straight white dudes and all those straight white dudes are my friends. But you know, Mike straight up told me, it's like, that's not our values. We want to give other people a voice. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do, I, I don't find being a woman in tech to be an interesting topic week after week after week. So if we did right. a show, I just want it to be like, women that happen to be talking about tech week after week. And I think that's the reason this show has sustained when a lot of other you know shows that are specifically about diversity have not mm-hmm, stayed mm-hmm. like for 200 episodes because we like, always have something here, to talk about. Right. We're all yeah. here to talk about the stuff we care about, which is tech. Yeah. And I just think like rocket gives a conversation. You just cannot get anywhere else in the industry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I feel like what's so great about our show is that we're not doing this because we want to be diverse. We're just us. And because we're us, it's a different flavor than what you might get that that, that kind of permeates the ecosystem. And and that's always, you know, I, I want I want more shows that, that that are just them, no matter who you are or what your background is, because diversity just it, it you know, uh does not equal gender. You know, it's so many other yeah. things. Yeah. And the things that make us diverse and different, I think our gender is the least of it. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, but, but I agree with you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Jim, our amazing editor who puts up with all of this. Thank you, everybody. Um, <laughs> all, all of our Relay FM um, uh, co-hosts, um, you know, uh, at the other shows on the network who've been just fantastic. I've worked with other, you know, podcasting networks before. You have two, Brie, and mm-hmm. it doesn't always go great. And <laughs> Relay is much better. It's a step up. And, and, um, <laughs> and it's been amazing to see Relay's continued success. And I feel honored to be mm-hmm. a part of it. And I feel honored to do this show with you two every single week. Yeah. I had all, I also had no idea, you know, what I was signing up for four years ago. I never would have thought that this would be such a huge part of my life. And I feel like we have only gotten, like, we get better every, every, I swear every episode, we're like, that was a really good episode. And every year, I think we get, we get better and better at, at doing what we do. And I hope that you agree, listeners. I hope that you agree. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and plug the the leave the leave the review, leave the five stars in Apple Podcasts. Yeah, uh, let's do it now. <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk to you about that at the end, of course. But let's just go ahead and plug that. Go ahead and uh, you know yeah. do that, and uh, 
Uh, for those of you who've been with us for the beginning or a really long time, people like Charles Tan, who just, you know, who, who runs yes. our Twitter account, who's the most amazing person. Thank you for for listening and for 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 doing that because that really helps. You know, I mean, I would be happy just talking to Bree and Simone and no one listening and it being in a void. <laughs> but knowing that there are people who listen and that it, they get enjoyment out of this um, really, you know, makes it makes it even sweeter and even better. Also, I have like a double thank you. And that's that I was, I think I had met Brie once when she invited me I to be on this twice. show. And it was I, twice. Yeah. Twice. We had met twice. Twice. Yeah. And I was just, I was a new person in journalism working at a very small organization. And both you two and Relay took a, a risk and a chance, I think, bringing me on this show. And it's really been amazing. It's completely. I shaped and changed my life. And thank you for that. See, that's not how I see it at all. Because the first time you and I had dinner, Simone, I was texting you afterwards. I'm like, you're awesome. And you're going to be at the top of the journalism like game two or three years from now. And I mean, I told you that immediately after I met you and I was dead on. So from my from my perspective, I saw like a shooting star and I just like dropped <laughs> onto my show. Right in those coattails. Good. And all I think the way no, to the I mean bank. that. Look at where you are today. I mean, That's you know, true. you're a successful novelist, you're at Polygon, you're a beloved internet personality on YouTube. I mean, you know, like I I can recognize talent when I see it. So I'm honored to do the show with you every week. Yeah, seriously, Brie, great eye because yeah, Simone, I didn't know you. I I didn't I I didn't I'd never heard of of, of Pixel Ken. I didn't know anything about you, but Brie said that you were cool and I was like, okay. And yeah, I, and stamp. I just immediately I saw it too. Exactly what Brie's saying. Like you had something. You had something that is just that 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 it factor that that is that is rare and that is awesome and I feel like privileged to I mean honestly selfishly I'm like good I get to ride like the Simone you know uh, rocket like <laughs> rocket being that's being, what uh, they call you know. it the Simone <laughs> rocket and we'll want to talk about something that's less impressive and successful than our show <laughs> yeah okay. but something we've been talking about a long time. All 200 episodes, uh, the Magic Leap. So I got to try out a Magic Leap 1 literally today. I, I know, l- listeners, if you listen to last week's episode, I mentioned I was going to be able to try it out at, uh, a week ago when we recorded that episode. Uh, we did not have time to get it all set up until today. But I got to play with it. I got to play Angry Birds on it because the game that I thought I was going to play was not ready yet. But okay, so I am still unimpressed, <laughs> but I will open with a thing that I actually am impressed by, and that is the power pack slash computer thing that you wear basically yeah. on your waistband. The Walkman. The Walkman, basically. And it does look exactly like a Walkman. It looks like a shot put that I want to like throw at my coworkers who I adore and love, but when I thought about it as I was using the Magic Leap, the idea of having all of that technology compressed into that tiny little thing, it wasn't, it, it, it was still ungainly, it was still ugly, but it did feel quite, it, it felt momentous to be, I mean, to have that that capability in that in that tiny little thing. That was pretty cool. So I do, I do appreciate that. I did not appreciate... <laughs> Most of the rest of the experience, which was pretty frustrating, um, starting with playing Angry Birds, 
like the the field of view on these goggles, and this is something that people complained about after the HoloLens was announced too. The field of view is just not what you want or expect it to be. I could move my head slightly to one side or the other, and the view would start to cut off before I had fully turned my head away from where the uh, the thing that I was seeing in AR was. And the same with top to bottom. If I um, lowered my head just a little bit, then some the edges of the quote-unquote screen would come down and cover what I was looking at, um, which was a very cool like 3D world with mountains and a little astronaut hopping around. I think there were some dinosaurs there too. That was very cool. But it was still the image quality itself was just not extraordinary. I was absolutely, you know, able to see perfectly through the magic leap and like see all my coworkers in the office and not bump into them, which was great. But the image that was being projected itself, I could still, it was still also semi-transparent and not, it didn't look totally crisp and as vivid as it should, which was, again, like, eh, it was just kind of underwhelming. Hmm. Um, what else did I, I feel I think about it's a it? bad sign if the most the thing you're most excited about is the battery pack that comes with it. <laughs> that's not a sign that the gadget is succeeding. Well, in I mean, my I opinion. think that that's true, yeah. but at the same time, I would kind of argue that we haven't, that that is probably, at least from my perspective, right now seems to be the one really kind of innovative thing. Like mm-hmm. the, the headset quality and those things can are, it almost feels like everybody's at the same place. They might have a better field of view than say HoloLens, but they're still figuring that out. You know, resolution is still being dealt with. But one of the problems that any of these things have is, is um, how are you powering this? And how are you, you know, you, you putting kind of a, a GPU out there and the other solutions, um, HoloLens notwithstanding, have basically been to, you know, tether you to a giant PC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I agree with you, Bree, but like, I also <laughs> do want to give them a, the only credit I kind of want to give, and I haven't used this, is that, that, and that was what struck to me from the original thing. Like, that does actually seem pretty cool. Um, yeah, that was and, like, exactly not how I solution. felt, too, which was like, okay, credit where credit is due. I'm walking around happily and freely in my office. Although, every time I made eye contact with one of my coworkers, they would start <laughs> laughing at me because I looked like an idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> which brings me to another another problem. I, I think this is a bigger one. So, the way that the, head, the headset um, goes on your head it actually feels great. Like it, it doesn't, um, there's no buckles or straps or anything. It kind of stretches out when you pull it and then it kind of falls back into place. So you can stretch it out, put it over your head and then it will basically close around your head and it will rest there above it or on it rather. And that, that was very easy and cool. Uh, the goggles themselves look absurd. Everyone who (laughs) put them on looked like a big nerd. I know that's not unique for AR and VR, but they were like particularly bad sci-fi dorky. And here's the <laughs> other thing. They sit flush against your eyes. So you absolutely cannot wear glasses with these, mm. uh, which a bunch of my coworkers who don't wear contacts ran into. Like, I, I feel like actually the majority of my coworkers do wear glasses and don't wear contacts. And we were all just kind of like, oh, okay. Is I there don't. a solution for that? Is the solution like just to get like special lenses or something or or does Magic Leap not? Do you know if, if they I have any? I don't know if they are making their own lenses for that. I'm not sure how that would work. Um, the solution that we 
had to do was just take off your glasses and deal with it, which is not ideal, obviously. I would hope that they would offer different different lenses and not just ex- assume that people will wear contacts if they need corrections. Um, but that was with, with the the Magic Leap One kit that they sent us, which just had the the Leap itself, the charger, the battery pack, and the controller. Um, there was no solution for that. Can you see this product getting better? Like, can you, like, I remember when the first iPad came out and it was not the greatest thing and it had some unique things like reading comics on it. It was a really good experience. You could say, I can see where this product is going. I can see how the next generation and the one after that is going to be really good. And it was like, can you see them like iterating on this with hardware down the line? I think I could, but again, I'm coming back to that problem of what is this for? And it's certainly not even for playing Angry Birds and first person. Like that was fine, but it was pretty underwhelming. Um, as far as other uses of it, just in in my office for work, there's just nothing that I feel it could it could do for me and the way that that things were the way that I was seeing things that were not kind of totally visually there there wasn't great visual fidelity and sometimes things would flicker in weird ways and it was just like not it was not the greatest experience so I'm sure that there is room to improve but I don't know what they would what they are improving towards Hmm. if that makes sense yeah yeah well that's depressing yeah yeah no i mean we've spent so many episodes talking about this company and it's been so many you know they've so they've raised so much money um i would hope that the tech could could be useful but it seems like i mean how would you rate this like when you first and, and part of it i know it's different because this is this is coming after all these things but when you first used Oculus, Simone, you were impressed, right? I like, was, like, my mind was friggin' blown when I first used Oculus. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. And so you didn't have any feeling like that. No. Um, where would you rank it right now, kind of even in comparison to kind of the experience to Oculus Vive, you know, um, and I, I know this is AR, not VR, but 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 just in terms of the you know the the experience of being of using it and, and feeling immersive feeling immersed in the environment how would you compare it to the other um devices out there that you've used i guess i'd want to put it at a 5 that makes sense to me i could i i certainly i'm interested in spending more time with it and poking around and the other things it can do but just my initial experience was so underwhelming and so opaque in in certain ways and transparent in other ways that like the images were uh so yeah in ter- in terms of just a first time user experience i would put it at a 5 um can you tell us what game you were going to play that wasn't ready i don't remember the name of it it had a really silly name i i wonder if i wonder if it's on google yeah, I was just curious because I, I was, I was, I, 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 you know, I mean, like, I think everything you're saying is is completely uh, dead on. Uh, or, or, I mean, I haven't used it, but, but, you know, I, I totally respect your experience. But I, do you think that better that a better software demo would do better? 
would, would, would offer a better experience? Do you think that, like, like how much of this do you think was was Angry Birds? And was, <laughs> how much like, of it was way- Angry Birds, Fulton? No, all the all the tech problems that I had, or all the problems that I had with it were on the hardware side. Because, like, Angry Birds functioned totally fine. Um, I put it down on the ground, and then I, you know, the, the birds flew automatically into my controller, or... Yeah, into the controller over which was superimposed a slingshot, which was again semi-transparent and sometimes flickered in and out of life. Uh, the one, the one cool thing that happened was there was one time I uh, I got too close. There was a you could only get so close to the pigs and their towers, so there was kind of like a, a haptic wall there. The con- the controller would vibrate when you got too close. And one time I did that, and I had turned my hand around, and the bird was like looking at me, and he was really angry, and that was pretty cool. Um, and That's then he, pretty awesome, yeah. actually. And then you'd pull the trigger and, like, pull back with your hand to stretch the slingshot and then let it go. Um, But, yeah, the the mechanics on it were not the most thrilling. And then just the the awkwardness of navigating with that small field of view. And then um, the the way that the slingshot kept flickering in and out, it was kind of just, like, it, it felt low budget. Even if the hardware itself, when I was, like, touching it, did actually, like, the way it looked and the way the hardware felt was nice, it just didn't work great. Anyway, so that's my feeling. You're saying you evaluate it at maybe only $2.3 billion instead of $2.4 billion. Uh, That's free. how much so you would harsh. have So harsh. So harsh. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. All right. Do we want to talk about <laughs> some other products that <laughs> may or may not have impressed people? Oh, Gosh. No. So MacBook Air and iPad Pro reviews are out. And we were super duper excited about at least the iPad Pro last week. Um, And that actually has been called kind of neutered. And people are, speaking of the MacBook Air, are saying it is a MacBook Air. (laughs) It's that, that machine is not blowing minds and exceeding expectations. It's doing exactly what we expected, but the iPad pro has been disappointing for some people. What do you, what do you guys think about these initial reviews rolling in? Well, I mean, let's take this at the top. Like there were, uh, the one review I feel that was very, um, eh, not unfairly so, but very critical was the verge, uh, you know, and I thought some of it was like, you know, they're still going after the iPad Pro for not having a headphone jack. I feel like that ship has sailed. Yeah. I understand your point. You don't need to keep making it <laughs> repeatedly. Um, you know, like that, that's my feeling on it. You know, the Wall Street Journal was also very cool on it. I think overall, people, they, they felt very cool on the reviews. And the reason was like iOS 12, they said if you'd already used an iPad with iOS 12, there wasn't a lot of value there. And in particular, The Verge, they went through like the, the pipeline of, say, pulling photos off of a, a USB stick and how impossible that still was today. And the overall argument really felt like it's like Apple themselves in the keynote, keep saying, this is more powerful than a computer. They keep right. comparing it to a, a PC. And, you know, as journalists, they felt like it was their job to kind of sit there and say, okay, well, this is more powerful than a PC. Let's compare this. Let's, you know, basically fact check Apple's claims and put it up against what other PCs can do. Mm-hmm. And I think generally speaking, the... um yeah, you know, the results were this is still a very compromised device. That said, and I'd love your take on this, Christina. 
I couldn't help but feel it was just a little bit unfair. Like I, I'm right there, and I think iOS 12 has it clearly has work to do. That said, if I didn't own a first gen iPad Pro, like for me, I don't see a reason to upgrade from like that to this. That's not worth two thousand dollars for me. But as far as this being a good device, I think with Photoshop there. That's clearly a very compelling argument. Like the hardware itself is good. I I couldn't help but feel that maybe that the iPad Pro is getting a level of scrutiny that say some of Microsoft's products might not be getting, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that it both gets more and less scrutiny. I think yeah. that the, the bar is both higher and lower, to be totally honest, because yeah. when the Surface first came out, for very good reason, it was panned. The Surface RT was decimated, as it should have been. Um, I, I I gave that a terrible review, um, <laughs> and 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 the original Surface, you know, didn't really um, uh, do what it said it was. And in fact, it wasn't until the Surface Pro three, and I remember even writing a thing about how you know um, uh, this was years before I started working at Microsoft, and I wrote an analysis once they finally killed um, Windows RT and and why they didn't need to. No, this was actually after I'd already written the why like Windows RT like never had a chance thing. But I basically, uh, basically it had been leaked that there was supposed to be a Surface Mini, basically like an iPad Mini, a, a baby Surface. Um, not unlike now in some ways the Surface Go, but but a completely different implementation. And it, it was pulled from the announcement basically at the last minute. You know, they'd come really close to putting it into production. They'd probably had pre-production you know, units and 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 uh, Satya, uh, you know, killed the project. And I wrote a thing saying that that was the right move because wow. they've lost on tablets. Because the reason the Surface Pro three is successful is because it stopped trying to be an iPad and started embracing the fact that it's really a laptop. <laughs> and 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 I think that's true, right? Like when my own Surface Go review, what I've said is, if you're going to primarily use a tablet as a tablet, the apps aren't there. The experience of it, it just it's it's not the same. But if you want something that you're going to primarily use as a baby um, computer, then it works really well. And I think that it's it, it's really good as kind of a you know a, a very it, very similar to like the the 12 inch MacBook in terms of performance um, for a lot of tasks. And if you're just doing web browsing and some you know text editing and, and light you know code stuff, it's great. It's not going to be good enough for Photoshop. It's not going to be good enough for games. Um, but also, it's a good thing for for Netflix. So I feel like. The iPad, in some ways, is in a difficult position. And I should say, I have mine, but I haven't been able to play with it yet. So mine arrived today, but um, I, mm-hmm. I was traveling. So the and full I rocket to play review with is going to kind of come the, next week. The full week. rocket review is going to come. But I feel like with the iPad, you kind of almost have like the inverse thing, where now they're trying to kind of do what the other companies, and, and I'm going to put Google into this uh, path too, because I think Google, you know, they, they've never really been able to decide if if uh you know if, if Chrome um is good enough for to, to do if, if Chrome OS is is a tablet OS or if it's a desktop OS mm-hmm. you know they seem to be kind of having that existential crisis themselves and I I personally haven't been overly impressed with the way that Android apps work in Chrome OS but that will presumably get better over time um and I think Apple's issue is because all these companies all their approaches are having kind of existential crises and I think Apple's crisis is that you have the silicon which by all accounts is incredibly powerful is more powerful than Apple's 
more most powerful laptops in, t- in terms of single core scores, right? Like it is it is killing it from a power perspective, mm-hmm. um, and the the potential there is massive. Like you can do a lot of stuff on this machine. This is genuinely, you know, when they say pro, it has that potential. The problem is the software in many ways still treats it like it is an iPad from 2010. And mm-hmm. as much as things have evolved and have changed in iOS for the iPad, there is still um, a decisive reason that says you can't do certain things. I mean, I thought it was very fair to point out that you have a USB-C port that you're talking about how you can ha- connect all these accessories. You can play back, you know, uh, four or five K video, you know, using the USB-C. Um, you can connect it to an external monitor. You can connect it to, to cameras, but you can't connect an external storage device and view it in the files app and then import things that way. You have to use a series shortcut if you want to import things um, into Lightroom uh, the the way that they have it set up and you don't want uh, a all those photos. And, that isn't available yet too. Right, yeah. right. A yeah. series shortcut that, you know, to get all your raw files off your camera roll and not keep them there to import them into the Lightroom library. Like you have to find these hacks and that's been the thing. Like people like uh, uh, Avicii who, you know, is is a huge proponent of, of, of you know, and is hugely successful and, and is great at making his iPad his primary computer I love that he does that and I love that he's been successful that way, but he has to jump through a lot of hoops. And yeah. so mm. I think that it's hard when you go to an audience and you say, this is a computer and then you can't do things the computer can do. That said, I do think you're right, Bree, in that I feel like sometimes the way that the iPad is looked at, and I'm very guilty of this myself, is we look at it from the perspective of people who already are used to the existing computer paradigms and we know what works for us and we see all the deficiencies. I said this on Twitter um, and and I was uh, uh, Carolina uh, uh, Masari from a a creative strategist uh, analyst and, and I, Jason Snell um, had us, had us both on his podcast um, download um, last week to talk about this. And I mentioned this on Twitter and I, I said this on their podcast as well, that, you know, I feel like, if I didn't know that background, like if I were just starting with computing today and I was given an iPad Pro, I don't know if what the things that I can't do, if I would even know that, like I would just, I would still be able to kind of get around. I would find those workarounds. And in some ways I might be more productive or, or like things better. Um, so I feel like there's a certain class of people and that class is getting bigger and bigger every day because they're growing up with these devices who this is what they're going to know first. And of course they're going to see an iPad as a computer because to them that the touch first world and, and, and these, and these, these apps and this experience is what they do. The problem is um, when you are not used to that and when you have other things you need to do, there is still this compromise and no company has figured out the balance. But then also, like, there there's still limitations, like the devices that Neelai in the Verge review was able to, to kind of use with the USB-C port and also just the workflow itself not being convenient for people who are doing these, like, high-volume photo editing tasks, tasks, for example, where if you're charging that much for a pro device for pros to use, it being able to work with this particular mic microphone or be able to import photos directly into the photo editor without kind of using that particular file infrastructure as a middleman. Like those things are user, they're, they're user friendly 
things to be able to do. And it's kind of I have to I have to say Simone, like when I saw that part of it from my point of view, I was like like Neelai is going through and plugging all these things with the SBC into the iPad Pro. I was like, holy crap, look at all these like, you know, like these things that they brought into uh, you know, uh, iOS from Mac OS and they have all that hooked up now. Like I was, yeah. I was seeing it like, wow, look at all these libraries they added to this. I, like there I was are some legitimately away. cool things. Yeah. I, I, I do <laughs> legitimately think it, it's a cool device. Um, it's wonderful. Like I'm not down on the iPad Pro now, but I do think uh, he did. Let me find the part because when he started, he wanted to plug in a printer, and I was like, "Okay, man, sure." Yeah. Like, no, no one's gonna want to use a printer with their iPad Pro. But then I was well, thinking, oh no, do people you have do. I mean, rebuttal? Actually, actually, this is well. I was gonna, I was gonna say that this is actually a problem that that Apple has had um, for a really long time with iPad. Pro. I mean, they have AirPrint, but AirPrint isn't really rapidly supported. And if you're somebody who is in a corporate environment and you're trying to print, you can't do it from your iPad, and that is hugely frustrating when you need to print something and if you're using something as a tool like my mom one of the main reasons she can't only have an ipad and the reason i'm going to be buying her a macbook air is because sometimes she wants to print and scan things and that's not something that you can do with a plum on on the ipad and can, it's just can never I been say a- something i just bought an hp envy and i have been amazed that i set up air print on it and it works freaking flawlessly with iOS or my iPhone or anything in the house. That's like awesome. Sc- scanning, printing. I, you can scan. I have been okay. freaking well, stunned by it. It's been I so had, good. Uh, yeah, no. Um, well, I we, stand she corrected. Had, she, she, well, she had a system. So here's the problem. She had a system that worked great. She had an Epson that worked with AirPrint and that she could print and scan from it. And it was awesome, right? And then Epson didn't update their drivers. And it stopped working. Yeah. So... I have to buy another printer too, you know, like, so, so, I mean, it's, I know there are solutions. I'm saying that the problem is these solutions aren't maintained in the same way. And, Mm -hmm. and there's still not a corporate printing solution, which if you're trying to say this is a pro device, I do kind of feel like is, um, a, uh, that's fair, you know, like, and I realize not everybody prints and I don't print that often, but when you need to print, you need to print. Is there a reason it is air print and there's not a Bluetooth option? Is that a dumb question? I don't know enough about printers to answer. I don't either. It. I don't either. Yeah, I don't okay. either. I mean, I, th- I think that AirPrint was kind of their their design philosophy because when they invented AirPrint and when they introduced that, that was before they even had a file system like that was user accessible. Like the files app and stuff didn't exist. Like it was, you know. So so it's it's basically it's it's a Wi Fi kind of protocol. Is I think what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. It. So, it's Wi Fi, but so, why not Bluetooth? I, I assume the, for fidelity, okay. and I assume that probably in theory, I think that they were probably hoping that the big industrial you know, multi-thousand dollar printers would adopt AirPrint. Mm-hmm. Um, why they haven't, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I mean, Chrome OS has has issues too, although it's gotten better. But but Chrome OS still has massive issues with printing as well. It's it's one of those things that nobody ever talks about that I always rail on because I've always been in those situations where I need to print something. And I, I don't even have a home printer, right? So mm-hmm. it's not a common thing, but it's one of those things that's frustrating enough, you know, that you're like, okay, you got to figure out like, how do I how do I deal with this if I'm in a situation where I don't have access to a printer? Fair enough. I guess this brings us to a, another super important point, uh, which was the external storage issue. Yeah, right, right. Which which I think you know I I, I understand um, not wanting to let apps have that ability to 
to store things because you you don't want to get complicated that way. But I feel like you should at least be able to save or import from the external storage. Yeah, definitely. It's indefensible, especially if they've got full-fledged Photoshop on there. Like, let let people use external USB drives. Yeah, you know? that's yeah, kind of a, it's uh, totally. I mean, it's I mean, and I know that Adobe, you know, what Adobe's push will be and what Apple's push will be is be like, oh, use your Adobe Creative Cloud account and, you know, pull things from your library that way. And fair enough, but sometimes, you know, the speed isn't going to be there. Like, it'll be interesting to see if you know, um, it, you know, as, as like uh, Adobe Rush gets better and if they bring Premiere at some point or, or Final Cut or whatever comes, you know, to the iPad Pro, because it would be a great video editing machine, I think, like how they're going to deal with with the NAS, you know, and, and kind of the, um, the, the you know, the the storage issue that, that so many video editors have, like network storage, um, how they're going to deal with that for, you know, pulling things off. If, if it's just going to be mm-hmm. okay, you're just going to pull things off of Wi-Fi and transfer that way and just trust that or, or if it'll be, you know, if there will be an option where you can plug in, you know, to quickly uh, transfer, you know, gigabytes and gigabytes of files. I don't know. I was just going to say, in our conversation last week, we talked about all of Apple's many laptops and where the iPad Pro would stack up. And I think we all in that conversation were like, eh, it's, they say they're going to, but it's probably not going to be a replacement. And it seems like the reviews are really just confirming that. There's nothing better or worse than we could have hoped. It, it is what we what we thought it might be. Yeah. Yeah, I would give it – I think, though, that we're getting closer. I think that what's frustrating what – the what at least what I read from the reviews, there seemed to be a sense of frustration mm-hmm. that the thing that's holding this back is not hardware but software. Yes. And yeah. in the past – legit. And in the past, that hasn't necessarily been the case. In the past, you could almost say, well, we're not there from a hardware perspective and we're not there from a software perspective. But here you can say definitively, the hardware is powerful enough. It is decisions made on the software side that are what's holding it back. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's, that's the sense of frustration I kind of got from some of the reviews is that it's a great device and you can do a lot of things with it. But if you're really looking for an iPad and the way most people use iPads, you should get the $329 version. And honestly, I think that that's Apple's entry level. I think that's their entry level device. Like, not even like Mac. You know, people say, "Oh, you know, we don't. Have, they don't have a an entry level MacBook anymore." You know, they, the 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 five hundred dollar. You know, um, uh, get into the ecosystem Mac Mini is now eight hundred bucks and, and and different. And and my response to that is, yeah, I think that that's now the the iPad because that has a keyboard. It has you know the pen support. It 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 does a lot of the other things, and and it can be for a lot of people, especially people who don't need you know, the extra fidelity and features and whatnot of the Pro, it can be a very usable machine and, and very comparable to a low-end Chromebook, in my opinion. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, when you can figure it out, I spent $1,600 with the case and and, and, uh, and tax and stuff on my iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. So that's more than a MacBook. That's more than a MacBook Pro. So that's, and, and, and that's when I think it's fair for people to say, okay, what are you getting with this? And is this really going to be the best for your needs? And mm-hmm. I won't know for myself until uh, I do my review. But as I said last week, I mean, I basically knew when I bought it that I'm paid all this money for this thing that I'm basically just going to watch Netflix and play um, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the the Family Guy, uh, uh, th- uh, you know, uh, uh, game that I that I play. Oh my gosh! No, I I just want to say like the a lot of the things 
uh, Neil I was complaining about with this. It feels like low-hanging fruit to me. It seems very easy to fix. Um, you know, Christina, I was talking to you about a great use case for the iPad being um, like using as a portable uh, podcasting device. I mean, we all travel all the time. Totally. I would love that. The thought of, you know, having a USB-C mic to plug in, which he said works with GarageBand. And then you pointed out, well, you can't record clean audio. It would have to be mixed down. That's a very fair critique of it, but that's easy to fix. Like allowing uh, the files app, like to access USB drive, you know, figure out how to sandbox that and make everything safe. That's a relatively easy fix. So, um, you know, you we we held Microsoft to the standard for many years. So just because they promised to fix something or they can fix something in the future is not a reason to go buy it. And you should not buy an iPad today if you want to get that done. But I do think it's moving in the right direction, clearly. And, you know, I I can really see, like with iOS 13 and 14, I can really see this becoming uh, a totally usable device. Sounds good. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Whilst you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? (sighs) How would you know? If customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content... You might stumble across the problem by luck, you fool. That's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. They're smart, too. They'll get the information needed to solve the issue sent to whoever needs it, whether that's one person or your whole team. They are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they'll take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last one to know about something on your website breaking. Start monitoring your site today. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. That's again, P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM. And when you sign up, you can use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a very awesome 30% off of your first invoice. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of ROCKET and RelayFM. Hey. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Any final thoughts about the iPad, by the way? I think I kind of like busted in there. No, I think think, uh, we're going to have more talks. uh, We're going to have more thoughts next week. That's true. I can't wait to see what you think of it. Anything to say about the MacBook Air? Uh, Joanna Stern, number one MacBook. I forgot about the MacBook Air. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the problem. On the planet, she said she was like, basically the sentiment is she was whelmed by it. So (laughs) there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. Like, I I still, I I mean, I'm in some ways actually more like, annoyed by people's reaction to the macbook air than 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 by the ipad because i feel like 
what do you expect from the MacBook Air? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, a like, it's a great Air. computer, but I believe like it's exactly what you think it's going to be. I do feel like they're now in a weird. I, I feel like this. I feel like the the twelve inch MacBook does not need to exist. Nope. I totally agree. Uh, I, 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 as it. much as as much as I love it, that does it's not need time. to exist. And I also feel like very strongly the thirteen inch MacBook Pro without Touch Bar does not need to exist. Yep. I know that it's a more powerful processor. That difference is not enough. If you're going to spend more money for the more powerful processor, you need to just suck it up and get the Touch Bar version. Like that's to me you know, where, where the line is. I feel like the the MacBook Air uh, should kill those other two things and just... They could have just made the new MacBook the MacBook Air. Although I, I guess know. people who... Like Dieter... I love Dieter's burn in his video review about this being an upgrade for people who have been clinging on to their old MacBook Airs waiting, waiting yeah. for an update. Yeah, I will say that I know that the, the performance isn't that much better than like whatever the last processor spec they put in it was. And and that's a fair critique, but it's also not. It's fair in the sense that, yeah, if you just look at raw numbers and raw scores, that's going to be accurate. But I also feel like at this point, most people who have MacBook Airs, the issue that they're having with it isn't that they can't do whatever they need to do with it. It's that they don't have a modern screen. It's that the yeah. storage isn't fast. It's It's that, you know, some of those other things. And I feel like you know, it's going to be an upgrade. Um, it's not going to be a, maybe the upgrade you would have wanted. But we're also at a point now where computer processors are kind of at a plateau. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but 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 I, <laughs> unlike I, iPad I, processors, what you're doing just exactly, great. exactly. I mean, you know, and, and you can almost get the sense that Apple very much wants to release like a like a MacBook Air with an A12X processor. Oh. Like that would be, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that's kind of going to, would be kind of their holy grail. Because the reason they're using this cut down processor in addition to probably cheapness is because they want to get, um, you know, better power output. They want better battery life. So Speaking of other technology that's kind of plateaued, I've <laughs> always thought that phones had come as far as they could go. <laughs> well, my friends, Samsung said your form factor is outdated and we're going to show you the future. And so at SDC this week, Samsung revealed its uh, prototype for a smartphone with uh, a foldable display, which they're calling the Infinity Flex display, which is certainly a name that you could call something. And so basically what they showed on stage, they dimmed the lights so that you couldn't really see. Um, they didn't want to give everything away about what what this <laughs> hardware looks like because of reasons. Anyway, but what they showed, the illuminated screen, phone shape, opens... And then on the opposite side of that, that side also turns into a full screen with no visible crease or anything. And then when folded back down to its small size, the screen, of course, appears on the outside, which you can still use as a phone and to interact with apps and stuff. But you can unfold it to tablet size to do more multitasking apps or, of course, just have a bigger screen and do whatever you do with a bigger screen. Read erotica on the subway as one does. Uh, yes, as one does. <laughs> as one does. The wonderful books of Daria DeForm. Anyway, so I, I actually, as cheesy as this presentation this. was. What? What? I no. loved it. <laughs> Did you? Oh. I kind of love it too. The presentation oh, no. was so cheesy, but I kind of love this. Oh, no. I mean, I, can I, I don't tell I want everyone one of these about things? the tie thing? 
Oh yes, yes. Please hold oh, on. This was about please. Bixby. This was this had nothing to do with the Infinity Flex display. Uh, the presenter at the end was talking about duct tape being an ordinary household device, comparing that to Bixby, and you know the the idea is that they're, they're going to make it great and wonderful. So he takes this roll of duct tape, ordinary household device, and puts it down like tapes it to the front of his shirt as if to demonstrate here is duct tape it's just an ordinary household device and then they put a Bixby sticker on it and I, at that point I paused the video and I screen capped it and I sent it to Brie and Christina being like what is this corporate nonsense BS this is so silly this is dumb and then I pressed play on the video and immediately after that he was like and turn it into something wonderful and he did a magic trick and the duct tape was gone and in its place was silver tape tie the same color as the duct tape with the Bixby sticker still on it and I lost my mind ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way to Simone de Rochefort's heart is a magic show <laughs> not even kidding that is no joke my friend I love magic anyway so this foldable phone which was actually the star of the show what did you guys Completely. think about the foldable display yeah android okay this is the most amazing thing is that google has already like announced they're like yeah we're gonna have official support for these foldable screens and devices just because all these companies are coming out with this stuff and google's like no guys you you, you can't like fragmentize our already fragmented operating system Please. use our apis we've built them it's cool um which is a good thing but also i mean look brie i agree with you this is a total gimmick but i also kind of love it there's something <laughs> so like in my lizard brain when i see the the thing unfold and yes. it's fo- unfolded and yet there's no crease in the screen it's just like a perfectly yes. smooth screen my lizard brain is like yes that also, is cool I kinda- also, I love that like it becomes like an old school like chunky candy bar phone with like a touch screen. Yeah, like I kind of love that it goes old school and and almost like it feels really like retro tech of that because it becomes kind of thick. Like I kind of adore that. She likes it thick. Um, oh God, I, I, <laughs> Simone. <laughs> Very unprofessional, Simone. Bad. Oh, man. That is exactly what you're supposed to do. So many mixed signals. Uh, (laughs) What is with this, like, huge bezel on the top of the unfolded tablet phone? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm assuming that I'm assuming that that that's something with with how they're they're getting the, you know, LCD or LED or whatever material they're using to work. Okay. You know, I I assume that's why it's there. I mean, I I, I don't know enough about uh, um, industrial design. But that's what I have to assume. The only that- thing you don't know enough about. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I have to. I have to implore both of you to to see reason push past your gadget lust and okay. just think about this. Like, if they're showing the product in the dark very carefully, like that's probably not a great sign. They're, they're protecting elements it. of the oh, design, Brianna. Oh, I mean, okay, I, I mean, okay, I mean, look, yeah. I think that that it's total BS that they say they're going to be manufacturing these things within months or whatever. Be at that stage, no, <laughs> they're, they're, they're 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 years crap. away. That's they're crap. years away. They're years yeah. away. If if this is ever productized in like a meaningful way, it's it's years away. But I mean, it's 
It's cool. I don't know. We haven't seen a lot of innovation in screen technology <laughs> stuff. This is cool. I don't know. I, th- I think that even if I think that maybe the wrong way to look at this is like, oh, you'll have like a foldable phone and, and, and you're going to use something like a, a tablet, make it a phone and make it like a, a notebook or whatever. But if you think about how it could be implemented into other types of devices and other types of form factors, that could be really compelling. Got to uh. fold up my iPad. Kind of fold my Nintendo Switch. Okay, see, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, how cool would it be if you could fold your Nintendo Switch in half? Yeah. It's still the same thickness. It would be really baller. And and then then you could have this thing. Okay, granted, it'd be like really thick, but you know you would then be able to like pocket it in a bag much more easily rather than having to like that. But like that's a great example. Like I mean, you know what I mean? Like that'd be a really cool way of 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 making stuff more portable. I don't know. I'm down for it. I it's so cheesy and I'm it is so such ready. a gimmick free. Where is so the right. power going to be? Like the 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 lithium ion. Like the that part of us always going to have to be hard at this, like, this point of technological really? development. Yeah. It's going to be hard, Simone. It's going to be and hard. no way around that, okay? Hard and thick. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's thick. It's a thick phone. It's going to be hard. The the power of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brianna, so for episode 200, you did a special segment. Would you like to introduce that for us? Yeah, yeah. So, Guys, we, <laughs> I have joked for a long time with Mike Hurley and a lot of the uh, people on our channel that I want to make a show called Uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> and the premise of it is all the people that write themselves to like invite themselves onto Rocket. <laughs> they've clearly never listened to the show. Right. And they're trying to market something. Uh, so most of these, I just like, sometimes I'll, I'll give them static back. Like I'll write them back. Like this somebody the other day, I was like, oh yeah, you love rocket. What do you like about it? And that was the only response I sent back to them. Like most of the time I just turn these down. That said, Motorola reached out to us. Uh, they have a product coming out that's, uh, it's the first 5g phone. And, you know, it occurred to me that I did not really know a lot about how you move to an entirely new communication standard. Um, You know, I was kind of like LTE, the name of it is Long-Term Evolution. I thought the whole point of that was to, like, give an extensible standard for this. Uh, It turns out I was totally wrong. It really means this. Uh, 5G is a very, very interesting technology that has potential to solve a ton of things, like not only giving everyone like a broadband speed in their phone, uh, but also solve a huge issue here in in Massachusetts, which is people uh, outside of Boston, the city don't have access to, uh, you know, high speed internet. So I spoke to Motorola and we had a really fascinating interview. Here it is. So for our next guest today, I am so honored to be here today with Doug Mickow, who is Director of uh, Product Operations for Motorola. Thank you for being here, Doug. Oh, thank you so much, Bree, for having me here today. Happy to do it. So I have to tell you, when you do a podcast, uh, especially a tech podcast, there's no shortage of people that write and they they pitch their product to your show for you to do a show. And we almost always say no. But Motorola, you guys wrote me, and we said yes to this because this is a – I think this is a very, very interesting 
uh, topic. So basically, uh, you know, right now the United States is on 4G slash LTE and Motorola is about to roll out their 5G network. And as it turns out, this is a really interesting question. Like, how do you get from one communication standard to a new one? So Doug is here today to straighten all of this out for us. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, like, let's take it from the top. So, how yeah, I know you're about to unveil a new Motorola product. It's the first in the United States with this 5G protocol. So, like, tell Rocket listeners about that. What are you about to put out? Yeah, definitely. So, Motorola has always had a lot, uh, a heritage of really rich engineering. And so, we've always, we consider ourselves the forefront of doing different RF developments, whether it was the 2G standard with GSM or the 3G. Uh, even the LTE, Motorola was one of the first in 2011 to release a handset. And if you look at that, um, you know, 4G handsets were really prevalent then in the later half of 2011. Uh, in our engineering base, you know, when we started working on the 5G standard, because we do participate in all the standards activities, uh, we wanted to be the first also to roll out 5G. And so we just, we, we quickly learned there's some new technologies there that we had to uh, be able to develop and learn and characterize and just to make sure everything would go very smoothly. And that more or less just really reinvigorated our engineering bases because then now we're just, you know, developing the latest and greatest technologies. So, uh, so, so we're looking at how do we bring this to the market first, beat all the competition as far as bringing this to the market. And we also wanted to make sure it was the fastest 5G uh, so we did this by using our Moto Mods. So our Moto Mods we released in 2016, and we're using this as a particular development platform. Right. It's like this, like just to let Rocket listeners know, it's like a magnetic snap. It goes onto the back of the the you know the Moto handset that you guys are bringing out. So it's uh, I wouldn't call it clunky, but it's it's definitely a, a a device, and it goes on the back of this new handset that you guys are releasing. And there's a whole range of those products. Like you can have cameras or new backs or battery packs. Uh, it's a it's a whole wide range of accessories to basically go with your flagship phone. Absolutely. So what it does is it transforms the functionality of your phone with that snap. And what there is on the back of the device is there's this modular connector. There's 16 pins back there. Uh, We first developed this and released a handset that had this capability in 2016. Uh, When we developed it at the time, we wanted to make sure those 16 pins could accommodate a lot of different protocols. Um, And one of those was the USB 3.1 protocol. Um, USB then that allows us to get about five gigabits per second through those connectors, that mod connector in the back. Uh, so once we had that and we looked at 5G, you know, the theoretical uh, max throughput of a 5G network is going to be almost about five gigabits per second. So we said, hey, why don't we actually develop this 5G technology and envelop that technology inside the Moto Mod itself that can attach to that Moto Z3 device? Uh, and then we could bring to the to the market first. And and just to put this in like perspective for rocket listeners, like if you remember with Apple at a certain point, they had SSD throughput, which was three gigabytes per second. Then modern Apple devices moved over to a six gigabyte per second standard for the SSD inside of your computer. So like what we're talking about with theoretical speed limits here, this is amazingly fast, uh, at least in a theoretical you know, engineering point of view. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and to, I mean, that's the interface at the device. Now, if you think about the interface then with that 5G mod uh, to the network itself, obviously it's going to require 
newer technologies than what LTE offers today. I mean, LTE itself, it keeps evolving. Um, so it's, it's a great technology and we've come to love all the, you know, the content we can consume over LTE, you know, like streaming HD movies, et cetera. Uh, but really to get up to the five gigabits per second, we had to start looking and working with uh, different partners to see, you know, how can we get that faster speed? And the answer to that really is going to a frequency so your typical like LTE frequencies, they, they top out around 2.5 gigahertz or so uh, in the U.S. at least. And so these new frequencies that give this really fast throughput, it's called millimeter wave technology. And there's two predominant frequencies at 28 gigahertz and at 39 gigahertz. And so when you're going at this faster uh, speeds, then we can also deliver sorry, higher frequencies. We can deliver those faster speeds than to the handsets. Um, so, so uh, again, so when we were developing this technology, we looked at how do we incorporate that millimeter wave 5G technology into our device so that consumers can really see this huge, you know, monumental leap in, in network speed. Right. And just to give Rocket listeners some perspective here, if you're looking at, you know, like I speed tested my LTE, you know, iPhone 10, and that gets between 5 and 12 megabytes per second. So if you're talking about going up to even near this theoretical, like 5 gigabytes per second limit, this is really a game changer. Like there are some people that think with 5G connections, we could you know, it like gets past this last mile problem with laying down network cable. It really would theoretically get to a point where, you know, in theory, our wireless networks would be as fast as like our cable network. So this, I mean, it has the potential to be a quantum leap forward. But this is why I wanted to ask you, like some of the the roadblocks for, for 5G adoption here in the United States, I know you've partnered with Verizon. And some of the cost of, uh, as I understand it, the cost of like transforming a tower up to that 5G standard, it's, it's, I mean, it's non-trivial. This isn't just a soft update you can push across your network. Like you would have to go through and like update all of the infrastructure, correct? Yes. And, and so, I mean, Motorola produces the handset side, but let me speak a little bit to the infrastructure as well. So, sure. yeah, the, so um, obviously, yeah, we're, we're familiar with a tower and maybe it has a radius and this is just an approximation of maybe say five miles or so. Uh, and then you can have, you know, um, several, maybe, maybe even up to a hundred different users on, on a single cell tower. Um, so, so one of the issues you have, like if, if um, you know, so if you're trying to live stream a concert where you have all these people trying to do the same task that you're trying to do, and the problem we often see today is that when you're trying to do that live stream, the network really gets bogged down because as you add more users, it seems like the, the speed's just not fast enough and, and the latency is slower. Uh, so it's taking longer to, for uh, the content to be responsive. So, so 5G and especially this millimeter wave, it requires a new network infrastructure um, and it's called small cell densification. And what that means... Mm-hmm. Is, is that basically you're going to have smaller nodes, um, think of the tower just being miniaturized, but you're going to place them a lot more frequently. So instead of saying, you know, a five-mile radius, perhaps you have these almost every city block on a light tower, and then each of those nodes then can handle a significant, um, you know, portion, a, a load of a number of people on them, uh, and so it can deliver that same great experience to each person. And because there's more of these are repeated more frequently, then uh, everyone can share in that great experience. And you're not really slowing down one particular cell site, if you would, or it's actually called the G node B. Uh, but instead, every you, you have it so that each node then can handle um, 
a, a certain amount of users, and then, then the, each of those users can then all transmit at very fast speeds. And so then what it, it starts to do is it, it starts to enable those use cases. Like if everyone wants to stream at a concert, um, you know, everyone can. You, you don't have to worry about having this, this uh, laggy problem or, or wondering that, oh, hey, we're overloading the network. It's not going to be a good experience for someone. Right. And one of the other advantages for consumers is when it's uh, more decentralized like that, that it's it's good for any communication network to be structured that way, because it creates more redundancies, it creates more backups, like there's less of a, I, just to tell you a quick story, we had the LTE tower near my home go out uh, a few weeks ago. And it was down and for like, everything around my neighborhood, we just had zero cell service for, you know, it was for a day and a half. It was a really long time to get that up and running. With more redundancy here, it's just a more comprehensive network. So, you know, this this really does have the potential to turn the U.S. into, you know, kind of an always-on, always-connected, um, like, society where it's much more accessible to everyone. So this, you know, the, to me, this isn't just marketing speak. This is a really exciting uh, direction for wireless uh, communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the promise is at least a 10 times uh, upgraded in your network speed and your content. And if you think about that, I mean, once you had that 10x speed, I mean, if we go back just one time again to 2011 when we first rolled out LTE, we didn't have, you know, a whole lot of content. Like HD streaming really wasn't predominant then. Uh, you know, obviously Facebook was just in its infancy uh, and things like Snapchat really didn't exist yet. But yet all these content applications were then made available because we had these faster LTE network speeds. Now, if we look at this as another inflection point, uh, where we're going to have these 10x um, speeds over even LTE, you can only start to imagine the use cases that will be developed in years to come. And so we start looking at right. things, um, you know, let's let's take the classroom, for example. You know, classrooms, how do you make that more experiential to uh, a student, right? And if you take things like augmented reality or virtual reality, now if we can bring that to students and bring them back in a time like, you know, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, someone could see that. And they could all you know, see that, you know, live as if they were there. We're replaying that content and all of the, the VR goggles because we have the 5G speed where they could see that almost real time and with no latency. I mean, to be able to experience something like that, or even let's just say that we want to go to a museum in Stockholm or, uh, you know, halfway around the world. Uh, students in, right. you know, in classrooms here then can experience that if we have the full 5G network. They can get that content. We can stream that right to the users, uh, you know, all those students in the classroom. And so... No longer can they perhaps be limited just to that physical classroom, but then they can start getting these experiences and really, um, even with 5G, even interact with those experiences as well. Uh, there's a lot of technology being developed right now around how do we do you know, uh, robotics over 5G, and because the latency is so low, you have that real-time interaction. Um, and then, and the examples yeah. just keep growing with that, too. So if you think about gaming, one of the problems we have today with multiplayer gaming is that you know, the graphical interface keeps getting richer and richer, and so we need larger bandwidth to transmit that data. And if you think about a multiplayer game, you want a realistic experience with this. And so if you're playing, let's just say, a sporting game, like a basketball game or a football game, you know, if you're dribbling down the court, you pass the basketball to a friend who's playing with you, you want to almost have that in real time so that it seems like you're right there playing together. And um, yeah. and you almost need that new transformation in technology to bring, you know, those enablers, basically, for a consumer to enjoy content like that. 
everybody I know that played uh, Titanfall very seriously at launch, we all moved our Xboxes as close as we could to our home router to get that latency down. Because for Hardpoint, it was so critical. I have to say, like right now, I'm trying to download Red Dead uh, Redemption 2 and it's been taking like it's gonna take you like four hours on PSN so last question before I let you go um, you know one of the things we saw when we were trying to roll out 4G and LTE was it wasn't really well defined like you had some different flavors of 3G that were technically fast enough to qualify as 4G so they marketed it that way and then you know before I did this interview I started reading about all the different LTE uh, communication standards all over the world it just made my head spin are we going to be doing any better this time with 5G like is there a set protocol that people have to subscribe to is there is there an open set of patents for people as we're working in this space. What does the future look like as far as consumers being able to understand if they're really getting 5G stuff? Yeah, so, so there, there are multiple flavors, but it, it, it will benefit the consumer. And let me go into a little bit of detail on that. So the way that 5G standards are now, there's two distinct standards of it. There's a sub-6 gigahertz standard, and then there's the millimeter wave. So the millimeter wave enables those experiences like we talked about, like if you're at, uh, like, say, the World Cup or you're at the Super Bowl and you want to stream content, um, you, you need that, that millimeter wave so you could have that high-speed content. But then if we think about the rural or even suburban areas of the U.S., you know, those higher frequencies, they're going to have a much shorter range. So how do you reach those consumers with 5G still? And for that, the application is going to be the sub-6 gigahertz. So, so with sub-6 gigahertz, basically, you can get speeds down to, uh, you know, going from that very high frequencies of 28 and 39 gigahertz all the way down to 600 megahertz. And uh, the lower you are in the frequency, then the, the broader the reach um, to the consumer. Uh, and so with... Those two flavors of 5G then, we're really we're getting the coverage part of it and we're also getting the, the high speed uh, part of it as well. So, um, so, so, for example, with our 5G mod, we do support both uh, an advanced LTE so we can get faster speeds as well as we support the, um, the, the millimeter wave content as well. And, and then if you look forward on this, um, you know, there definitely we will uh, follow that up with a handset probably that, that might have that content where we could support that sub six gigahertz 5g as well so it you know so we can support both flavors if you would of the standard so uh, again you have the sub six gigahertz which um, you know for, for broader range so long longer reach uh, and, and then you have a millimeter wave which is typically for the faster data speeds as well so there will be those two flavors for, you know, in order to reach all consumers, they could all share in that benefit of 5G. Um, but, but, but all of that is, is all governed by the 3GPP specifications. And those specifications are moving along quite nicely. So um, the, the 5G standard itself was released late last year in December. Um, there's been a couple of iterations since then as we're going through deployments uh, and starting to come up with, you know, a lot of the lab testing that's going on. Uh, there's been some refinement to that, but it, it's in a pretty solid state right now where we're ready to then launch these, you know, technologies and commercialize them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Last question for you. Um, I know when uh, 
the first LTE modems were rolling out, you know, 4G LTE modems, the the power consumption was very high. And obviously, like that got better, um, you know, like with modern iPhones, they've really found a way to balance it. But, you know, like I remember when LTE modems first came out, like you really had to choose between like a, a quad core uh, chip in your phone and an LTE modem. What is the power consumption like for a 5G modem currently? Yeah, so, so the way that 5G is deployed now, so it still uses LTE um, as the base, uh, and that LTE then does the things like such as you're calling and such like that, and we have 5G. Now, um, on our Modemod device itself, it does. we do include a battery because we realize that when you're doing these data sessions, we don't want to impact your everyday use of a device. And, and so um, th- there is that battery inside our 5G Modemod. So when you're doing those high speeds, uh, you can enjoy that content that you want over 5G, but then also we're not going to take away from your battery life of your handset as well. So uh, right. definitely, um, you know, if you're running at higher data rates, um, it might uh, consume some battery. But we, we feel that we have a very solid design to address just that consumer concern because we want to make sure that the handset continues to have that all-day battery life. Uh, because if you're using 5G, you still want to place phone calls all day long or, or perhaps um, get other information on your handset. So, uh, so, so we are supplementing that. So our 5G Moto Mod does have a built-in battery, and then um, a- as well as uh, you know having the handset uh, battery as well. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to Rocket today. This uh, this really is like when you're talking infrastructure. I think it's a fascinating subject, and I could not wish you and Motorola. Any more luck in rolling this out. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having us. It's been my pleasure. We're all out of We are out of topics. Yeah. We've done it. We've talked about all the topics. Guys, what do we do now? I mean... I mean, we could talk about the second TanaCon documentary. <laughs> you know I haven't had time to watch that hour and a half long TanaCon so documentary, bad. Christina. It's so, so bad. It's but so but our bad. listeners need to know that there's they another do. TanaCon documentary. And it's like the opposite of the Shane Dawson one because it's not entertaining. Um, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. So 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 Michael Weiss, the, uh, the, the Segway dude, like... Filed like he he dissolved the the old company, but then he started a new company with almost the exact same name, and uh, that way he gets out of I guess having to pay the debts that he owed of this conference. And uh, I think he got mad because because Tana like dressed up as him for Halloween or something, <laughs> and he got he got really upset. So he was like, "I'm going to release the documentary. What really happened this week?" And then like it wasn't this week. It was like. This it was like days later. Like he just releases this thing that literally looks like they'd had all this footage shot, and they literally just like he like opened up like a Final Cut or Premiere project and just loaded in each segment. Didn't do any transitions, didn't do any music, and then just added like inner titles occasionally and put up a couple of lower thirds sometimes to say who people were, and and that was it. It's just like a an unedited mess, but uh, I highly recommend anybody who was entertained by the saga to watch it because it, it, it reaffirms a couple of things. One, no one should ever have given this guy money nope. for anything ever. Nope. Like uh, Bree, you said this in our, in our group chat, like you, you wouldn't trust him to get your order at Taco Bell. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't the most give damning him, thing like... that anyone has ever said about anyone. By the way. <laughs> but uh, so just to like remind viewers who is who. So Tana is the person planned TanaCon. Shane was her 
like Fran and another YouTube celebrity that put together a documentary about what happened. And Michael is like the skeezy, very young business partner that blamed everything on Tana. And then the more it comes out, the more it's his fault. He put out the footage of him planning TanaCon, and it just proves how wildly inept and how much he's overrepresenting everything Everything. that he can do. And what I think is so damning about this footage is – I was telling this to everybody in the group chat, like Shane's video got 14 million views because it is a gripping story that Mm -hmm. I'm not even that into this. And I watched it three times because it was fascinating. That's what I'm saying because it's good. You don't have to care about any of these people and you can think they're all terrible and still think that that was good filmmaking. It was a good story. It it is. It was a fantastic documentary. So then you compare that to Shane where he literally just got the footage of them sitting around having a planning meeting and gives you 30 freaking minutes of that footage. And you're listening to it and you're fact-checking as you go. Like, did that happen? No. Did that happen? No. Did that happen? No. Did they follow up on that? No. And it's just, it's obviously BS. But the fact that he thinks this is a quote-unquote documentary shows exactly why TanaCon failed so badly. Exactly. No, it's genuinely hilarious. It's, it no, it was like, I'm watching this thing and I'm like, okay, does he realize the amount of self-ownage she just did? Because all right. this proves, I mean, look, Tana had no idea what she was doing either and she was completely naive, but she thought she was helping. She thought that she was planning the conference and then he was like, yeah, I'll take care of everything. Yep, I'll do everything. Yep, I've got it under control and this is going to be so good. And and she's 19 years old. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not, I, I don't, I mean, look, her name is on it, but I still don't blame her. Like, she thought, like, this guy is, tell, is promising her the world and he's telling everybody everything. The person who was legit smart in this was Bella Thorne and her manager, yes. which was yeah. freaking, an adult, like, an adult in the room. I mean, it was actually hilarious. Like the manager was asking all these questions, like, "Are you working with Marriott Corporate? Or are you working with just this Marriott? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Like, do we have contracts for the you know guests? Do you have you know food that's going to be on site?" He's like, "Oh, we're, we'll get food trucks, you know, and and, and we'll, we'll partner with them." that what didn't happen they're like no you should have on-site food as well they didn't Ugh. you know um it like it was, it was she was like legit asking all these questions but uh, honestly the most damning thing to me and i don't know when they started the real planning for this but they were really already selling tickets they'd already you know <gasps> sold like forty thousand dollars worth of tickets no they so before the plan before the very first planning meeting no. they'd already sold like forty thousand something dollars worth of tickets here's the best part uh it was three weeks before tanacon no no <laughs> Like, oh. like, like, I, I, oh, I, 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 I know, I know they're all so young. I get it, but like, in what universe do you think? Oh yeah, I've got three weeks, and yet I can take on. How Bitcoin. much did tickets cost? So they claimed they were free, but it turned out they only had like a couple hundred free tickets, and then some were sixty dollars, and some were okay. I'm just uh, trying to do the math there because I remember there was that whole drama about how many people actually showed up versus quote unquote crashed from VidCon. Forty thousand no, dollars worth of tickets. No, I, th- I think that they sold about 5,000 tickets, okay, which okay. is, or, or, or may- maybe a little under. And I think there were 5,000 people there. And I think what happened is, is that they were in a ballroom that was maybe a max capacity of 1,000, yeah. maybe. Makes and sense. they thought, and, and they, they thought amongst themselves, oh, people will just leave and Ha-ha. other people will come in. And that's not how that sort of thing works. No. And, uh, and it was just, you know, completely from, 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 from top to bottom, just completely terribly. Uh, planned but anyway but the video which which is a slog we will put it in the show notes but it is a slog to get through yeah. don't, don't but it watch is really it. entertaining don't yeah, watch don't it watch it. Do you don't guys have like timestamps for me 
For the video? Yeah, for the video. No, yeah, so that I don't have to watch yeah. the whole thing. Minutes yeah. one through 90 are not worth your time. <laughs> no, I think, that he's, I, I think he starts talking to Bella. I think he starts talking to Bella Thorne around the 30 minute mark. Yeah, okay, okay. That's about uh, right. he, he, yeah. Gets, he gets really annoyed because he goes to pick up Tana and she's asleep and they have a meeting with Bella Thorne and, she, and it takes them like an hour to get there and he's really annoyed. And he's like, well, so the camera's like, well, it's an hour later, but we're finally on our way, you know, and you can tell the way that he's like framing this is like, oh, look, she didn't do anything. Mm hmm. Again, dude, what do you expect? It's Tana Mojo. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, she's not going to be ready for your meeting. And also, you're treating her like she's the talent and you're treating her like she's the client. And if that's yep. the relationship, then you can't expect her to be taking an equal share of like yeah. the planning responsibilities. You're providing you know a what service. I mean? Yep. Right. Like, I just, they, they, do your job. This guy needs to learn. <laughs> like, he's 21 years old. He needs to not be running the company. No, just, he needs to, and, he, and no one needs to ever give him money for anything take ever. A step back and um, learn. He he's deleted all of his his videos off of his YouTube, which is really sad. But there's this video of him on on Twitter that I can't stop thinking about, where he like puts together this very beautiful lush thing of, of him going to the Grammys, and he thinks that it's, oh, it's, it's making so him sound, and he thinks it's he's looking so, so smart and and so fancy. He's like oh. showing off his Louboutin boots and like all of his you know fancy jewelry and accessories and fashion and how much money he must have spent on stuff. And all you do when you watch this is you're just like, this guy knows has no <laughs> idea what he's talking about, and it's so gross. Like it's just it's but it, but I can't stop thinking about it. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> he is anyway he is the Jacob Wall, but yeah, <laughs> and in in planning like in event planning instead. Like that's the level of integrity you're dealing with there. Completely. All oh right. Oh my gosh. What are you guys up to this week, Bree? What about you? So I w- I want to tell you guys I have gone all in on Dyson. I've gone all in on Dyson. Oh baby. Uh, I got to tell you, I have tried different like goops of my hair and I finally have figured out like the right combination <gasps> of spray to put in there and also masks like uh, moisturizing masks. And I swear to God, I have hair like a freaking Kardashian <gasps> these days. Yes, and it is freaking amazing. It is amazing. So I went ahead like, I'm like, if this product is this good, I'm going to get some more Dyson stuff. Like this is great. So... Um, I got their air filter product and I found out that like the air like all around my home is horrible for me. So, uh, so we plugged that in. And I've also got their uh, full-bledged uh, hair dryer that comes with it. I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, Christina, but they give you a partial hair dryer along with it, but it doesn't go very, it, it's not very yes. fast because no, it's very it, small. Exactly. It, it is small. So it's one of those things where like what I've been doing is basically just like using like the round brush a lot yeah. as like the, 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 the main kind of drying thing and then going, you know, if I need to, the other thing. Yeah, you're right. Like that, that, that is, that is fair. Like I, I could see, I kind of thought the same thing. I like the, the, the styling things so much and i'm like ah, do i want to get the full hair dryer too yeah. and i kind of do just because they're and i'll tell you why my day-to-day thing i don't think i would use it but when i travel oh. it is a lot of pieces to take that whole kit yeah yep. but Whereas, you only use like three things in it you know i know but but it comes yeah. in like but it comes in this great box and 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 i i and you know i don't know i'm just let me know let me know your thoughts how using the two together and yeah, and, and i and and i might i might use the rose gold amex to get uh uh i'm so happy and happy for you both <laughs> christina what are you doing this week 
So I just got back speaking at uh, Purdue University. They had a conference called Dawn or Doom, and I, I gave a talk about why uh, uh, tech companies um, should talk to developers and, and, and their users and why those three kind of groups should talk together. And, um, and I think it went really well. I also talked to a couple of classes um, while I was there, and I met some really amazing people. Um, I am heads down for a lot of work stuff this week. We have a really big tour called Ignite the Tour that is kicking off in Berlin on December 5th or 6th, rather. And uh, I'm going to be uh, doing that. And then I'm going to be in Sao Paulo right after that. So, And I'm going to be in Finland right before that. So uh, I, I've got a um, uh, I'm heads down um, in our planning for that um, event. It's, it's it's a free event where we'll basically be going over a lot of you know things for IT professionals and developers and and cloud related topics. And I'll be giving two talks, and I'm super excited. But uh, there's a lot of hard work uh, involved. I'm so, and so excited I'm, that you're traveling so much and getting to like do all the all the cool outreach that a, yeah. a developer advocate should be doing. Yeah, well, this is the crazy part. So my de- my my early December, and we will figure out rocket schedules once I have a better idea of, of where <laughs> I will actually be places and and what time zones I will be in to see if if things will work is nuts. But then I'm the the dates that I'm going to be at next year for the event. I'm going. To, I, I don't have them yet, but I'm going to be in Tel Aviv. I'm going to be in Sydney. I'm going to be in Dubai, and then I'm going to be in Mumbai. Wow. Whoa. That is so and that's, cool. I, and that's all between like January and May. Ugh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what does that mean? That means, that means, that means uh, Christina's getting upgrades out the wazoo oh, because I'm yeah. earning so many sky miles. <laughs> oh my Love gosh. It. Love it. I want to, I want to put me in your, put me on your piggyback. I'll, I'll, I'll sit on your shoulders and we'll be <laughs> one extremely tall lady in, in a, in a trench coat. Anyway, yeah, I love it. I love what that am I doing actually. this week? Not going anywhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's National Novel Writing Month again, folks. I'm not leaving my home. Woo! I'm staying inside for the next thirty minus six, seven days, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. Can are, you, are, you, are you gonna be writing? About? Yeah, are you gonna be writing a Daria Defour or a Simone de Rochefort? All Daria. Actually, you know what? No, I'm cheating. I have cheated, my friends, uh, because I'm kind of behind on my um, my word count. I have been counting the words that I write for Polygon.com as part what? of my 2018 novel. Listen, what? listen, uh. <laughs> don't at me. But I actually unless there's some like subplot where your character works for Polygon. Yeah, I was gonna say, how does how does that count? I mean, I, I'm I'm all about a good scam. I get this, but I mean, part of me is just like, all right, isn't the real solution just to lower your word count? Like, no, that's like against the rules. <laughs> the rules say cheat. <laughs> Oh my god. Max sat down at his authentic 1920s typewriter and pulled up his folder of research about a futuristic device known as the Wii U. (laughs) (laughs) Nintendo actually has been around since like the 1800s. So, yeah, I know they were a card company. Yeah. So that that would be, I mean, you you could write a, a, a thing about how he. Is is using this this interesting Japanese card you know brand that Max that, spoke to the CEO of Nintendo and said, "What do you think your company will be doing in two hundred years?" <laughs> and the CEO went into a sort of 
article that sounded like a video script, perhaps, about the Wii U <laughs> and what Nintendo learned from its launch and applied to the launch of the Nintendo Switch. Max said, that sounds interesting. I have no idea what you're talking about. But you will when you watch my video at youtube.com slash polygon, which is where you can find me online. <laughs> oh also on Twitter at Doom Quasar. Brianna, where can we find you? Uh, SwissCatGal on Twitter. And Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Excellent business, ladies. Well, listeners, if you've been around since episode one, holy crap. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And listeners, if you're popping in now for episode 200, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, No need to go back and listen to the last 199. We'll be here for the next 199. Thank you. If you like the show, please do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That's something that is helpful to help other people find the show. And you can also share it with your friends. Let them know what you listen to and what you like. Thank you, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.